0: All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rumors, Money, and Movies. I'm your host, James Bastone. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. We have another special interview coming off the heels of our interview with Bruce Nash. We're welcoming a first-time interviewer to the show. He's an actor. Just recently into acting, though that doesn't necessarily mean that's how young or old he is. And he's a Pasak. Thanks so much for joining
1: us. You're welcome. Good to be here.
0: Yeah, so before we get just a little house notes on the show itself. We're going to have a show in two weeks about Batman that comes out, and then all of March is going to be dedicated to the Oscars. Again, as you guys know, I don't really care about the Oscars, but we have to talk about them because it's important. So we'll talk about it a little bit later when we actually get into the Oscars, but that's going to be our March is already set. And then going into April, we're going to have some more interviews with the filmmaker that I kept wanting to bring on. She's going to be coming on, and some other people that we're in the works with also bringing on to the show. but. Before we get to that, uh, we're going to have our interview today. So, thanks for the co- so much for coming on. And just if you just want to introduce yourself,
1: who you are, what you do, whatever you like. Okay, my name is Pesach, and I'm an actor. And you can get me at uh, pesachtheactor at gmail.com. So, um, like most actors, I have a gig, I drive for Uber, and uh, I need interesting characters. So, I am a working actor.
0: Yeah, and uh, the way that we, we had this podcast was set up was my brother and his girlfriend were in the Berkshires, and they had an Uber driver, and he's, you're listening to him right now, so I mean, I he kind of explained to me, roughly, you guys just started talking, and you were like, yeah, I'm an actor, and then I told him, you know, tell him I have a podcast, and this kind of came to fruition really quickly.
1: Yeah. Uh, so on my uber profile it says hey i'm an actor you know i i like that because i get residuals on the rentals of my movies so right. when people say oh i had an uber driver who's an actor and i have current movies available for rent so when they rent them i get residuals hey it's not much but at the end of the day it's a check
0: yeah why not you gotta make your money somehow i mean that's that's how a lot of i see you make a lot of your money especially if you're not like one of the big big guys so and that's also smart by you. I actually, I ran into your Reddit page and you, you were talking about Uber. So it sounds like a pretty good gig. Uber in itself sounds like a pretty good gig.
1: Uber is a pretty good gig. Um, or, or it was when they, they had good bonuses up when nobody else was driving. You know, mm-hmm. you know I enjoy my life. Yeah. Actually, every day above ground is a great day. Yeah, but you know, I'm not a young guy. No. No, you, well,
0: you're not that old, you know. You're still—you're only in the seventh inning.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll be seventy-eight in a few weeks. Well,
0: congratulations on that. Yeah. So I always ask everyone who comes into the show, just the introductory question, is what's their relationship with with film itself? Which obviously you kind of said you're an actor, but I also ask everyone what's their favorite movie.
1: My favorite movie is Patton.
0: Okay. George Scott, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen... And he he also, like, turned on the Oscar for that one because he said he didn't want to have it. But I haven't actually seen that movie, but I will now since you suggested it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's an epic piece of work. And he does an incredible job. Um, Of course, I've seen a lot of movies in my day, you know, but I wasn't expecting that question. And that's what came to mind. No. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of good movies that I like, but... Over over the years, I I think Patton
0: uh, stands out. Don't need to apologize for that. It's not you said something like a bad choice, per se. There are no bad choices, but that's an okay choice. So I guess staying a little bit more background, you did say you're turning 78. You only recently started being an actor, right? You told me that you only started being an actor about five years ago. That's correct. 72. So my first question would be is what did you do before acting?
1: Okay, so I'm a Vietnam veteran, and um, I had a career as a nurse, and a nurse practitioner. And I worked for the United States government in that capacity. And so I um, worked in different countries, Uh, aside from the United States, I was in Russia and Jamaica. And um, on the Rosebud Sioux Indian Reservation for some years. Um, so I did that. Essentially, that was my career. Mm. Also, I'm a parent. Mm. My, greatest, my greatest career is that I'm a dad. Right. That's what yeah. right. dad.
0: Yeah, I heard about your powerhouse daughter. That was the subject that came up with my brother.
1: That's right. I have a... 16 year old daughter. And she intends to follow in the footsteps of Spike Lee. So she's an applicant at USC right now. She'll go out to USC in March to, for a view of the campus. She's applying mm-hmm. to be a film major at USC. And she's the one that got me into film. When she was a freshman, she's in an elite private school up here on scholarship in the Berkshires. And she wanted to get gym shoes. Gym shoes are sneakers. I don't know what you call them today. But you know, they're very expensive. And she had already gotten me into film. And I said, uh, well, you know, come and work on a film and you'll get paid. and buy your own gym shoes. So I got her a part on a film called The Sleepover as a background actor and, and um, at union wages, which are pretty high, enough to get gym shoes every day if you want them. So, and you know, the way it works, it is relatively difficult to get a Screen Actors Guild membership. It's not an easy task. If you're in New York City, you're up against it. If you're in Hollywood, you're up against it. But in Massachusetts, it's not that hard because when they're making a film and using background actors, the union requires a certain percentage of those actors to be members of the guild. If they can't get that number, they have to upgrade non-union actors into scale, into union scale pay. And those upgrades make people who are not in the union eligible to join the union. This is called being Taft-Hartley. If you get three waivers, three Taft-Hartley waivers, you are now eligible to join the union. And once you're in the union, now you're eligible to cast for every manner of you wish. So being Taft-Hartley then is a very big deal. Difficult in New York City because there's so many people trying to get in difficult in Hollywood because there's so many people trying to get in in Massachusetts which is a very film, big filmmaking state it's not so competitive in any case my daughter went up for that background job and got half Lead. they wanted her to be the clumsy girl in the opening scene uh, she got her gym shoes nonetheless but uh, she didn't stay the three days they offered the three days work which only took one to get the gym shoes and now as she's applying to usc she said to me well dad get me on another film because i need to upgrade to be in seg so when i apply to usc it'll look like i'm a professional actor so she's looking now to get upgraded again and You know, last year, last season, I had a, a shot to get upgraded on The Gilded Age, which is filming nearby. Uh, a terrific show, by the way. I don't know if you've seen it, but this is really a piece of work. Uh, this, this will get nominated next year.
0: Awesome.
1: This is a really, really nice piece of work. If anybody hasn't seen it, I'm not in it, but I, I can tell you this is a nice piece of work. So in any case, uh, they will get another season, I expect. And we'll try to get her on there. So I don't know how far I've digressed. But...
0: No, no. I mean, you you read my mind because I was going to ask you about getting into the Guild a little bit. And what got you
1: into acting?
0: And so my good... daughter
1: got me into acting. So, you know, she uh, saw something where they were in Massachusetts looking for somebody that looks like me to play a part in Defending Jacob with Chris Evans, uh, Captain America, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When I ran into, and I got that part to play the rabbi in the opening episode of Defending Jacob. And because that was a principal role, not a background role, but a speaking role, I got in the guild right away. One speaking role you're in. I, I did ask Chris Evans where his shield was. <laughs> you know, I mean, Captain America without his shield. But Chris Evans is a consummate professional actor. I mean, he really ran not only his role, but kind of the direction of the scene that I was in which was a massive scene. I mean, the, the mechanics of a huge scene, The scene I was in probably had 50 people in it, and the mechanics and the choreography of these massive scenes are extraordinary pieces of work because each step, it is choreographed. And the, the person who views a film is probably totally unaware of the extent of the work that goes into the choreography of a huge scene. Because each actor, there, there are no, with the exception of Rocky, where a lot of the background was shot totally random, <laughs> all right? Uh, But with the exception of something like that, each of these scenes where there are a tremendous number of background actors, um, everything is choreographed. So, but each of these people, each of these background actors are working actors. And every step that they take is a choreographed act. And they are all working actors taking it step by step as though it were a dance. And each step has to be precisionally planned. When you have a principal actor moving through a scene where it's costing tens of thousands of dollars a minute to make that film, there is very, very little margin for error. Nobody can accidentally flash the camera. That is, look into the lens of the oh. camera. Nobody can accidentally. That, that's why they use professionals, right? So uh, in, in the uh, shot that I was in with Chris Evans, he's uh, when you look at that, that particular scene where his character is walking into the house of the parents of a murder victim, And I'm the rabbi doing a prayer session in one room. On one side, there's a whole family congregating in another room on the other side. He's going to pass through both these rooms and go into yet a third room. And they're going to shoot this with multiple camera angles. Consequently, each time they shoot that, all of the actors principles, background and and such all have to move exactly the same way each and every time in order to keep the continuity of the shots which are going to ultimately be edited into that film. So it is a a fascinating piece of work uh, to make a big scene like that come together. In watching Chris Evans' work which was my first real piece of work, was to watch him involved in the actual choreography of his own movements within the context of the larger choreography and his his communication with the director and cameraman shooting that scene. So that's the work of the actual production of the scene. Over the, the pieces of work that I've done over the few years, I've worked with a number of famous people. And uh, people who are really, really well-known professional people. A Dennis student who I worked closely with on Love Weddings and other disasters, where I had another significant principal role, who did all these happy Gilmore films. And he, I think he wrote, directed, and produced Love Weddings and Other Disasters uh, that I, I did with Diane Keith, Jeremy Ian's film. Uh, but this is a Dennis Dugan piece of work. And Dennis is, this is an incredible filmmaker. And when you watch these guys and gals who are putting these pieces of work together, it is, it is a really special thing to watch, especially when Dennis is an actor in the film as well. He plays a role in the film and writes it, directs it. And the director has to communicate with the actors. In Love Weddings and Other Disasters, I'm involved in a stunt. I think I'm 76 when, when the stunt is done. And originally during that stunt... They wanted me on rollerblades and they were trying to not real rollerblades but if they had done regular roller skates they wanted some wheeled object they were trying out which was absolutely crazy they, you know but had they actually on roller skates it would work but nonetheless they were trying out some rigging in that particular instance we were filming in South Boston. Again, this is a pretty, for an old guy, this is an interesting experience. Once you shut down a city street to film a movie, you are creating a major event for the for the community. It's lights, camera, action. You know, I am not a film personality. But all of a sudden, on the scene gets shut down, and there's going to be a motorcycle stunt in the middle of South Boston, you all of a sudden become a celebrity. All right? I mean, the, the ambience creates celebrity. And the ringing, I'll send you a picture of uh, the ringing I was wearing. This stunt pulled out of the way. The ringing weighed about 20 pounds wow you know i was out of breath just wearing the rigging. <laughs> and um, that was that was great that was, and working with with these professionals and bear in mind i had so how did i get that role so i was the rabbi the serious rabbi in defending jacob defending jacob now the comedy rabbi comes up in love weddings and other disasters the same casting director. And bam, I get that role. And that's a pretty significant role for a person like me. Right. Cool. So I get that. I also did get to read to, to be the rabbi to marry Dustin Hoffman in his new film down in Jersey. I didn't get that pop, but I got to read for it. So and, you're the rabbi.
0: You're the resident rabbi at this point. Yeah,
1: yeah, I'm the resident rabbi. It's so whenever they, they, they need a rabbi in my area, I, I get the call. It's so the reason I haven't shaved the beard. All right. You look like Santa. Yeah, but, like, you know, the thing is, I did, never got the Santa roll, although I did cast for it once. I never even got the shot at that. But uh, I always get the shot at the rabbi roll, but I'm just about to trim the beard to see what else I can get. I did, uh, you know, we, we talked about. Production values, you and I, right? Right. And and production values are how much money is going into the the film, right? If you're doing something for Apple TV, it's going to be big bucks. And you know right away by what's available for breakfast or lunch. lunch, How much is going to be spent on that film? So I did a very serious piece of work with ryan reynolds and uh, will farrell and uh, i think i told in the note i signed a confidentiality because i can't tell you a whole lot about it <laughs> oh, it'll come out christmas time i think it's apple tv
0: yeah it TV. Is. I, I believe so but mm-hmm. oh, you looked at her? Yeah,
1: <laughs> you huge production. Man. anyway what a fantastic couple of people to work with. So this is a musical. And so in this musical, Ryan Reynolds is singing a song. And in, 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 in he's singing this song a cappella. Of course, he has music in his ear piece. And the music director is there. And he's singing this song a cappella for six hours with full intent and this will come out. This movie will come out, right? You're gonna see a fully orchestrated version of this song, not what we saw and heard him do, right? And you have to sit there and look and say, man, this guy's work ethic is unbelievable. Not only is he singing the song, he's not singing the song off the stage. He's singing the song in full production. Like Gene Kelly singing in the rain. I mean, but that was done on the soundstage. He's doing this huh. in a live in motion. And this is a fully grown person. He's not a small guy. No. This guy's moving along that Table in full effect for six hours, belting out the same song in full effect while they shoot this from various angles.
0: Yes. Production is definitely because you, it's so, so many things can go wrong and you have to restart every single time and get to take takes and other different angles of the same I take. I
1: and, mean, it, Nothing went wrong. It's work ethic, Bill. It's to say, the guy could have lived it. He didn't have to go full effect because that song is never going to be what he sang during those takes. It's going to be a fully orchestrated in-studio version that the audience sees when they see it. They're going to see a fully orchestrated version of that song. This is a musical. It's the work ethic of a superstar like this in 85 degree heat fully dressed for the winter. And you think, wow, here's a guy who's a billion dollar star coming to work and working. Also, these guys are fully interactive with the cast. It was none of the buffers between them and background. They didn't buffer themselves from the rest of the actors. They ate lunch with us. You had a tiny part. You had one line. You had one word. Or you your background actor. They did not buffer themselves and go and eat in a special place or and you're talking Will Farrell, Ryan Reynolds. Actors on the same shoot. No buffer. And you think, yeah, these guys working on the same job. Now, not all big time actors are like that. But you got to give these guys big props for that, right? They don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. They're
0: giving you the respect.
1: Yeah, but they're gaining a huge amount of respect themselves. Right. Both in terms of their work ethic and their sense of humility. Because the product of a film, when you when you look at the credits at the end of the film, the credits are going to roll for a very long time because it takes hundreds of people to create. A film. And many of the people and much of the product ends up on the cutting room floor. Because at the end of the day, the editors are going to look at it and say, "Eh." So I did this film with um, Mark Wahlberg and uh,
0: Spencer Confidential.
1: Spencer Confidential. I wound up on the cutting room. Nonetheless, there was a, a woman, I don't remember her name. And in the scene I was in, that wasn't coming before, she had a really significant scene. And she was really, really good in this scene. And you will never see it. Right. I was in the scene. I mean, she was really, really good. And she appears as a blip in the film. And, and you think, wow, really good. And the scene seemed really important I think I, I I said you were still of me in that scene as a drug addict, yeah. and and uh, but her part was significant on the day that I worked, and she was really really good. Does not appear in the film, and you think, wow, and she won't get an IMDb credit for it either.
0: Wow. Yeah. You know? Well, how do you how do you deal with those things? You know, as an actor, it's hard to get roles. If you get a role, it may work out, it may not work out. How do you go through that process?
1: Well, I personally don't care. I'm old. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I'm grateful to get the work. I, I like the work. I, I, I got, um, I worked on a new f- a series called Three Women, a Showtime. about low production values. Could have been shot on an iPhone. I mean, really low production value. Right. The thing I did with with Rick Farrell and and, and these guys. Big pan, if you look at Panasonic 360s, right? Not an iPhone. Showtime. Low production value. Shot with an iPhone. You know? So so I go to work for this. I don't want to put them down. I mean, anyway. The the director, I think the director and the cameraman is the same person. Okay. And she's shooting this thing from her shoulder. So in this scene, there's a girl shoplifting from an art store in South Dakota. We weren't really in South Dakota, but it's where we right. So I get cut from this scene, uh, which happens, you know uh, I frequently get cut. Nonetheless, I get paid. Nonetheless, <laughs> because it's being shot in video, she has instant replay. It's not being shot in a film. She's shooting it from her shoulder with a harness. Okay, so it's being shot nearby my house, right where I live, right in the birches. Not being shot in the birches, but nearby. Walking distance. So they hired me and my car for this job, which is another thing they do in the movies, right? They'll hire you and your car. And casting people are a very big casting company, and uh, I like to work for them, right? Essentially because they do the Gilded Age, and I want to uh, get in with them, right? So anyway, the shot that I, the scene I'm supposed to do. I get kicked out of the scene right away. mean, she doesn't like how it looked, how my part looks, I'm out. But my car is still in. My car that they hired is in the last shot of the day. Oh no. No, it's fine because I have I have audible, right? And I'm listening to a good book. So I'll get paid for the whole day. And not only is it a whole day, it runs two hours overtime. <laughs> and my shot, my car is in the very last shot. So I'm getting paid. I'm fine with that. You know, give me a hamburger and I'll listen to Audible. Gotta love the Screen Actors Guild. Okay. So Friday, last Friday, not this past a week ago Friday, I get an email. Come down and you'd like to do three women again. You and your car do three women again. But we need you to come to New York City to do it. And I said, all right. And I said, well, wait a minute. COVID test, uh, New York City on Thursday, COVID test on Wednesday. I said, well, never mind, I'm not doing it. And why? Because the COVID test thing is a great deal for us actors. Right? The pay is high, right? And they have the COVID test you twice. So remember, I'm a gig worker, right? So if I do a background job. It's 200 dollars for the day. And two COVID tests is 100 dollars each. Right? So now all of a sudden it's a four dollars day. The chances all they're gonna run over time. So you know what with five or six hundred dollars for the day, that's great. Except the COVID test was in New York City. I have to drive down to New York City for the day. So I tell the casting person, I said, well. I'm not going to do it because I don't want a COVID test down in New York City. I want to help you out, but I don't really want to do it. So she gives me another alternate location, but it's still too far away, and really, I'll make more money driving Uber than going down there to do this. So I I don't take the gig. Hoping that this particular casting person is not doing Gilded Age because same company. But they do everything, so you know, that's the business, all right? mm-hmm. But for me, a $500 day is better than an Uber day. Right. You know, and um, I really want to do Gilded Age. I love it. I'd I like to get a regular recurring part of Gilded Age. That's my my long-term hope, is to be a, uh, a servant in the Gilded Age.
0: Make it happen. Let's make it happen.
1: Let's make it happen, right? That's my hope.
0: my hope. Building off that point of, you kind of talked about like the different production values and how like some experiences were better than others for you. And I'm curious as an actor yourself, you got into the, I mean, you got in relatively late. So what was the learning curve for you to, I mean, cause you, I'm sure you, you know, you weren't really in had a background in, in movies. So was it steep or it was naturally, it wasn't too difficult to catch on.
1: Well, I went to Kyle Cran and, I asked him to show me what to do. I went to take the class, old as I am. I went to CP casting in Boston. Kyle Cran is a casting director. And just before COVID, and I drove up to Boston every week and sat for hours with other beginning actors. I already had a part. But I sat with him and... Studied week after week, hour after hour, casting roles, how to present and have a character. There is nothing that comes naturally. Everything has to be learned. So I went to a professional to have him teach me how to read for a role, how to present self before camera. I mean, there is no shortcut. The raw, you know, this is a craft. And old as I was, I still had to go to a professional. And say, "All right, so I got a role. Now what do I do? Yeah, uh, show me how do I do this. How do I uh, how do I present myself before the camera? And here's the script. Here are the sides. This is what you do. This is what you're doing wrong. This is how you do it. Yeah. So I went to a really consummate professional, Kyle Cran, who's a casting director, and sat with other actors for maybe fifty hours. Fifty hours."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Reading scripts, so no, I'm not a natural born actor. I went, to, uh, did what every other actor does, took professional training, and joined other actors online in a private group called Actors Rise. Place where we were members of the Screen Actors Guild hook up. As a member of the union, I was able to get certain training through the uh, Screen Actors Guild Federation. And so through the Federation, I took a number of workshops that are available to me on Zoom through the private, there are members of the member Screen Actors Guild. So there are classes that I take online through the Screen Actors Guild Federation. So acting is a craft, old or young, it's a craft you have to learn. And um you just don't magically jump before the camera, right? Now it happens. As Kyle told me, "Look, you're typecast. It's a good thing for you. Don't be afraid that you're typecast. It's a great thing for you. You're old. You have a certain look. You're going to get hired. Now here's what you do with it. Some actors are afraid. Well, I'll be typecast. To me, it was a great thing, right?" And if they're looking for that great. You don't want to be versatile. You're never gonna be a song and dance man, you know. And so utilize that. And I continue to study and read, you know. I don't read for as many parts as I could read, because I'm I'm old. I mean, but today, because of the internet, I have much more access, you know, I belong to actors access. I don't know if you're familiar with that but I can read for every role in the United States that I've and i fit, And I, I just don't do it. I stay local, you know. I probably would like to go up on the stage. And I'm so old, you know, I just have an itch to go up and just do one of these things in the Berkshires is uh, Summerstock, you know, it's the big area for Summerstock Theater. I'm thinking I might even do that uh, because this is just fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to, um, to do these these characters
0: well how did you um, I guess a follow up question would be how did you get in because I thought if you if it's a guild project you have to be part of the guild to get a role so how did you get the role before being part of the guild or the union
1: well they tapped hard with me I see I, you know if they want you they can just take you mm-hmm. and you're allowed three projects, I think it is. I don't know exactly what the contract is. I think you're allowed three parts. I think if you take a speaking role, you have to join the guild. So I them to join. I don't know if I had to join, but there were waivers. They're all, all, you know, I'm not an expert in the contract, but I'm right. right. For that. But yeah, you have to be in the guild to, to read for parts. But if they have to fill a part and they need a certain look, Not only in in defending Jacob, they not only needed a certain look, they needed somebody that could actually say these particular prayers. I see. And I could do that. Because I came from that background. So they needed somebody that could do the verbals and have the look. Mm -hmm. So I had a unique shot at that. So, and it was Boston. It wasn't uh, New York City. Right. Massachusetts is a great place for filmmaking. The governor just signed a bill to make great tax incentives for film permanent in Massachusetts. So years ago, to make a film like Defending Jacob, which takes place in Newton, they would build a set in in California because it was cost effective. But the change in technology, the size of the camera has shrunk to the size of an iPhone used to be a big, bulky thing, the camera. But if you look at the clip I sent you, you see a major Panasonic motion picture camera. is a tiny thing. It right. used to be gigantic. Lights, which used to be gigantic, have shrunk down to little lumens. So now why build a set that looks like Newton, Massachusetts? We need to bring that whole thing in a suitcase to Newton and film live. So it, it becomes more cost-effective to actually come to New England, whether it's Massachusetts or in Gilded Age, which I think is just a brilliant production. All shot in Troy, New York. And you think, wow, this, they would have had to build this set in Hollywood. You think, well, this would have cost a fortune, but it would have been cost-effective. And now they shot it in Troy, New York. Troy, New York is a has-been town. No offense, Troy, New York. Hire me. No offense to Troy, New York. We right. love Troy, New York. We love Troy, New York. Of course, it has RPI, Rensselaer, probably Tech, Great School. Uh, but, I mean, when you look at this film, you think, wow. You know, what an incredible job they've done there. Yeah.
0: I think you answered that. Everyone, I think you really brought it through I mean, if you're, it's really good advice for people trying to break into the acting. There's not a lot. I know friends and stuff who want to, try to break in. I mean, you, you really
1: walk through it very well. Okay. <laughs> it's easy to get in today. I'll tell you why it's so easy to get in today. The show was erected. In other words, you have Showtime, Hulu, HBO, Paramount, Sony, you got everybody selling streaming services, but there's no product. I mean, you, you look at, at Netflix, And they have every kind of foreign film. They've they've emptied the shelves. Every actor is working. Every director is working. Every writer is working. Because you can't fill the shelves fast enough. How are you going to feed all of these streaming services when the the shelves are empty? That's why somebody like me winds up enacting. Because there's no product. How are you going to feed all these streaming services with product? You're going to have to have people that write this stuff. You gonna have to have directors to direct it. You're going to have to fill the shelf and more and more streaming services are coming online. Uh, They can't keep running uh, loops of iCarly. I mean, they're going to have to keep filling the shelf with with some new product. So this is a great time to become an actor or, or give filmmaking a shot in one way or another because they have to fill the incredible, of course, during the pandemic, they really emptied the shelves because there was no production and a tremendous amount of consumption. So supply and demand applies. That's why if you look at Netflix, how much stuff went from Europe, European films all of a sudden flooded Netflix. I mean, stuff that, you know, what? What? stuff dubbed from every kind of country there was it right. you filmed went on to Netflix and Netflix you know is a really quality company with much of its stuff being nominated this year mm-hmm. for awards I, I know I get to vote in the Sega Awards so I've seen almost everything
0: oh yeah I didn't even think of it. that's cool
1: dang yeah I do I get to vote and I get the I get the um I get all those videos. I get all of the films. I get to watch all of them. Right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, some of them, I don't even see how they were nominated, frankly. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, what, what, what,
0: was, what was your favorite one that you've seen? Like favorite series show this year? For this
1: year? Okay. So Don't Look Up, I think it was awesome. I think that was a tremendous piece of work. Liquid Pizza, I don't know what all the noise was about. Frankly, I didn't get it. Uh, I mean, I didn't get that. what was all the good noise about. Oh, Licorice Pizza, eh. eh. House of Gucci, eh. Uh, The Ricardos, I thought, was terrific. Uh, I thought that was terrific. Um, I thought Aretha was terrific. Let's see what else. The one about the guy who becomes a hypnotist. Nightmare Alley. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. I uh, I mean, I'm still watching. I mean, uh, I have them all on. See, so when you're in the, in the guild, you get digital access to all of these, you know, and they have to, you have to wade your way through them. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else, I and mean, then we applauded. But I know next year it's going to be Gilded Age.
0: Right. Hey, it's Gilded Age all day.
1: The Gilded Age, really. I mean, I just I love it. Uh, where is it available? Is it out now? Like, is is it? Yeah, it, come, it comes out every Monday, it where, comes out once a week. I mean, you have to wait every week to see the next episode. Where is it? What? Like- on, I watch it on Hulu. It's HBO, I think, but I get it on Hulu. So there is a uh, a young actress. What is her name? I think her, name, her first name was Denti. She's she's an African American. I keep changing the titles. I think she's magnificent. Denti uh, Benton. Benton, she's fabulous. Uh, I mean, it's it's an ensemble cast, but they are just the whole show is good. I mm. mean, oh, comes out every Monday, right? But I wait every Monday for it to come out. Right, it's that good, you know. Um, so, this is
0: fate. This is you're gonna you're gonna be on that show next season. You're going to be well, No, I,
1: I keep hoping to get on that. I put myself up for a good day. So, I mean, every week that that comes out, I mean, I, I keep submitting myself. Uh, <laughs> uh, but to see the thing about uh, casting for movies is that they know who they want, it's nothing personal. I mean, people who feel dejected because they didn't get a part or something like that, this is a bunch of nonsense. The, the, the reality is that the director has in their mind who they are looking to put in that thing. So people who get really bent out of shape when they don't get a and This is all such crap. You know, when you go and you get a look, I mean, you get a call back or something like that, or you get a shot. You know, a lot of it, it does have to do with how well you present yourself. They're looking for, you know, and you're in the range. Um, but I'm landing 50% of the things I read for in principal acting. That's a lot. And that's because I'm typecast. I mean, how many 70, 70-year-old actors are reading for parts, you know? So I go in there, and I'm, I'm a trained actor at 78 years old, and I'm still training at 78. So, uh, and I'm not going in there with my ego on the line because essentially I'm an Uber driver. I don't give a shit when the, when, the, you know, when the thing lights up and it says you have an eight minute trip two miles away, I'm gone. So it's not affecting my identity, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a tremendous amount of fun when they shut down South Boston and the lights go up and the crowds gather, it's as though you're on the red carpet. I mean, who is this, you know? It must be, be. and it isn't. It's all an illusion. It's all a sleight of hand. You know, great fun. And working with the people that I've worked with, they are great fun. Actors are, are great fun. Some are somewhat neurotic, but most are not. Most actors are having a good time Mm -hmm. and most the real big time actors as I said but I've seen hardworking, high work ethic take nothing for granted people
0: yeah so as we wrap up I mean first of all phenomenal thoughts and as we wrap up here uh, is there any crazy story you want to leave us with any wonderful words of wisdom Uh, floor is yours to go in whatever direction you'd like for this last question
1: yeah, I, think, I just think that it's a wonderful time to come into the motion picture industry uh, because, it, it, as I said, there is tremendous opportunity. I think, uh, I don't know about uh, Georgia. I know they a lot of production there, but Massachusetts is the place to come if a person wants a film career. The, the schools in Boston are phenomenal although my daughter's going out to USC, I think, to get away from me, but uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, she she wants she to be Spike Lee, but uh, I think that if your listeners are people that are trying to break into the film industry as in any capacity, as a director or a writer or other, Massachusetts is the place to come. It is the, it, and we have so much film going on here, it is the place to come. Not only that, our Ayatsi is wide open. So that's hair, makeup, grips, gaffers, all of it. You could walk right in. So hey, come to Massachusetts. That's my my best advice if somebody wants to get in the film business. This is the new Hollywood. Wow.
0: This should put you on this is the commercial right here. Your next yeah. one's gonna be a commercial for Massachusetts uh, film. Yeah. So well. What a wonderful interview. Thank you so much for uh, for coming on. And people can find you at, what was your email again? If anybody wants to reach out, ask any questions or.
1: Actor at gmail.com.
0: So that's P-E-S-A-C-H-V and then actor. actor at gmail.com.
1: Yes, sir.
0: Yeah. So, and I guess for plugs for me, again, you can follow us on Twitter, RMM underscore 901. We have a letterbox, J-A-B-N-Y-R-I-C instagram though i'm not really using that to be honest rumors underscore money underscore movies and again as always thanks so much for listening i hope this was a great interview i really appreciate the time pasak i think i gotta write this time right pretty good yeah pretty good so thanks so much for coming on again i really appreciate it and thanks everybody for listening and talk to you later when we review batman